love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, your normal host for Iron Women, and I'm here with special guest co-host, Emily Cox. And this is because Haley Chura, our normal co-host for Iron Women, is currently training hard and Kona prepping for the World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. And it just didn't feel quite right this time around to have Haley with me for the Kona preview show, because obviously we would just be talking about how Haley's going to win everything. So we have left her to her own devices to be training as hard as she can to be winning everything um, next week in Kona. And we have brought Emily on for our Kona preview show. So Emily, welcome to Iron Women. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's been three years since we've had Kona. So I'm so psyched to talk about it and leave Haley to not have to preview her shell herself. (laughs) (laughs) And Emily, before we get into the Kona race, um, we uh, are both dog lovers and our iron women podcast listeners will know that they often get dog talk (laughs) on the podcast (laughs) because Haley is also a dog lover and Emily, I told you about a little special event for one of my dogs, Max, that I had last weekend. Are you ready to hear about how Max's first race went? Yes, I am. And I did some some research on what he <laughs> did so I can ask the appropriate questions. And I watched some of the, the fast cat racing, but yes. tell us all about it. Yes. Yeah, so this was Max did a fast cat fun run. So important distinction. This was not an official fast cat and cat in this instance is something that the, is it the AKC? Is that the American kennel club? Yes. Okay. The American kennel club calls like a course agility training, but then like, it's just a cat run. So a cat race would be um, using a lure to get your dog through an agility course basically. And there's like some rules that go through that, but then there's the fast cat races, which is just your dog chasing a lure for a hundred yard dash essentially. And they're like in a shoot and the, the lure goes like as fast, faster than your dog so that your dog is inspired to run really fast. And then it, it usually would be a timed event if it's an official like sanctioned race. But the Green Mountain Dog Club here in Vermont was having just kind of like a fundraiser. They were doing a fun run. And I was like, oh, this sounds just like it's up Max's alley. So, of course, being the obsessive dog mom that I am and very proud dog mom that I am of Max's fitness, I signed him up and he did he got to do three runs this past weekend, Emily. And we did a short run. So they encouraged newcomers to do like a 50 yard dash first. So we did the 50 yard dash. That went really well. And so we got to open Max up for the 100-yard dash for two runs. And his second run, again, it wasn't timed, but I used my my watch to time. As you should. As I should. Was 7.6 seconds. So we didn't say all day, but Max is definitely the fastest dog around that I saw at the fun run all day on Saturday. So I was very proud of Max. And I'm like thinking of what's the show where moms take their daughters to the like pageant, oh. like pageant. I feel like a pageant mom pageant for my mom. dog a little bit, but I, 
I really want to just see if Max can be like, I don't know, like a rags to riches story, right? He seems like he's good at it. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And like when I watched it, it was on TV yesterday, which was Sunday and not Max's the- race. This was the official national championships that was on. TV. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but they call the, the lore, they call it a bunny. And then, oh, okay. Yeah. That's very official. I mean, but basically everyone, if you're thinking of this lore, it like is like toilet paper tied on a string. Yeah. So it like flaps around and looks very, makes a dog really want to chase it. And then they say, did they say tally ho? Oh, they to said go? tally ho. And the woman rate like did a lassoing motion with her arm to like signal it. She'd be like, tally ho. She was the hunt master. I learned that the hunt master would be like, tally ho. And then the lure would start going and then the dog would go, you'd release the dog. Yes, exactly. And on TV and like you had to catch Max, like you were at one end and Matt was at the other, right? Yeah. The, there was one woman on TV and they had, you know, two partners and this woman did not catch her dog and he ripped up the lure and broke the string and he was running all over and she could not get him. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, we've all been there with dogs. Like you haven't had a dog until they've embarrassed you like that. You oh know? my gosh. Well, I, it was like, I mean, Max is about 60 pounds, a little bit more, and he's like pure muscle. And so once we realized what was going on and the rules around this, again, I think for an official one, they're like very strict, but the hunt master was like, no harnesses. You can run your, the, the dog naked with nothing, like no collars, no nothing, or like just a very tight fitting collar. And so we usually have Max in a harness because he is big and strong and like, that's easier to hold him. So I was like, Oh, Matt's doing the releasing because as soon as Max got sight of the lure, he was like, like, Emily, you know, in the Kentucky Derby, when the horses are like amped up to race and they like know they're racing, it was like trying to hold a Kentucky Derby horseback and Matt's like wrangling him to get him into the shoot and like, hold. and Max wanted to like go, like he really wanted to chase that thing. And so every time like a dog would run and then the lore would have to like come back to the start, they'd be like, hold your dogs because like all the dogs would be trying to go crazy. Um, but so Max was, or Matt was the releaser for Max and I was the catcher. And it was stressful. Like the whole thing, I couldn't tell if like Matt and I were like, we just, we still haven't really decided if we're going to continue to try to do this. Cause there are like some local ish events. Um, we could put Max in, but like, it's stressful for us because we're like, Oh my gosh, you got to like really pay attention to the rules. And then Max seemed to really like it, but like, but it's also like, I don't know. They can't talk. So like, was it stressful for him? But you know, like, I don't know, but like, I mean, I think he loved it. And so like in my head, I'm like, we got to try at least once to do an official one to get him like an official ranking and we can see. Yeah. I mean, they're in drive mode. So it's like so fun. They're adrenalized. Um, So I think he'll be fine. I mean, I was looking when you told me about this, I was looking for I'm in Oregon. So I was looking for events and there aren't any in Oregon. There's some in Washington and some in California and Idaho. But I feel like since it's been on national TV, there will be interest and yes. maybe like they'll have one down in Portland because my dogs being German short hair pointers are extremely prey driven. If, if that was a chipmunk on a lure, they would run. I mean, and the thing is like, if you watch these, these dogs are kicking Usain Bolt's butt. Like, oh, yeah, I was very proud so that Max fast. Usain Bolt. Yeah. I was like, he's like, you know, faster <laughs> than that. And like, I mean, yeah, just the, it's crazy. Like once he really got going and like how, so this is the other thing. There's 
they give a handicap based on the dog's height. And so Max would be, he's taller than 18 inches, I guess. So he doesn't get a handicap in his, but Winston and Atlas are like maybe shorter. They might, are they shorter? No, they're like okay. 22 inches at the oh, withers. Okay. Oh, I just use a very big dog term, but <laughs> at the withers. Yes. <laughs> at the withers. Yeah. They're tall and skinny and lanky. Okay. Um, but they're, you know, they're both about 50 pounds. So okay. a little oh, bit. Yeah. But it is, it's a very easy dog sport to get into. And it was, it's fun. All the people were very nice. I have to say like they were, and once they saw Max run, everyone was like, Oh, what kind of dog is he? And I was like, I don't really know, but he's fast. You know, I was like, so fast. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has hunting dog in him. So like for the sure. prey drive is there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what you need that desire for the prey drive. Yeah. So. All right. And Emily, we didn't actually invite you on to talk only about Max's race because we have the world championships for Ironman coming up on October 9th, 8th. Where's my calendar? Six. October 6th for the women, Six for the women. <laughs> and so, whew, all right. So October 6th, um, the women are racing in Kona. This is the first year, first time back in Kona for three years. First time with a women's mostly only day racing, which will be very fun. And that I think is going to kind of spice things up a little bit, Emily. How do you think the dynamics of, do, or do you think at all, the dynamics of the women's race is going to change now that they are the, the leaders, right? They're going to be the ones out in front. Um, I think it'll definitely change it a little bit in terms of no one, like, I mean, when you have like Lucy Charles, like she's going to swim through. I mean, what, how long, much of a time gap did the men get last time? See, it's been so long, like maybe 10 minutes, maybe um, Yeah, it wasn't that much. Yeah. I mean, she's going to swim up into the back pack of the men's field and the swim. And now she's going to have no one in front of her. So she's going to have no one to deal with going through town on the bike. Um, because there is, you know, you have to overtake if you come up on someone, there's all those rules. So they're not even going to have to worry about that. They're just going to be out in front and they're not going to have any age group men coming from behind. Cause even though they're running a few male, um, uh, waves that day. I think it's like the older men and then they're putting the 25 to 29 men at the way back. So they're never going to see each other on the bike. And I, I think it just is going to make for really fair racing. Like the only thing they're going to have to worry about, I guess, are the motos and all that stuff. And we'll let everybody else worry about that. And, you know, pontificate if things are, you know, if they're providing, assistance to right. those up front, not intentionally, <laughs> right. but you know, yeah, we no, always hear it, this. I think it is going to be really interesting because we have, a, I mean, the women's racing has gotten so fast. It's only continued to get faster over the last three years. And like, there were times in the, you know, 2017, 2018, where 2019, it felt like the women who were able to like ride with the men, right. At times. And like, so like the pro men. So I do think it's going to be better and a more fair race to have the women like on their own leading, leading the day and to see how that kind of plays out. And, um, it's also going to be interesting because now compared to 2019, we have like more fast swimmers, right? So we have yeah. a good group of women who's going to be like leading the charge literally out of the water for the first thing. So who do you, who do you have like your eyes on coming out of the water? Well, as always, um, Lucy Charles, and 
I just think it's, it'll be interesting to see how she plays it. Like, is she going to be someone who's like, well, I know there's other people who might swim with me. So maybe I'll save some energy. She's coming back from that energy or injury. So her swim maybe this is probably pretty good though. Right. I mean, if anything, yeah, probably got yeah. swimming first, you know? Yeah, for sure. But like, is she going to be like, well, I'll just save as much energy as I can for the bike and the run. I have no idea. I kind of have a feeling she likes to be out in front and she likes to be by herself. So she might really blast that first 200 to 400 meters to get everybody off her feet. But, you know, I mean, the one I think it is Rachel Zelinkis, who probably won't play a role. I think later in the race, this is her first Kona. She hasn't been a pro for that long hasn't been doing Ironmans for that long, but she seems to be the one who could really stick on Lucy's feet um, if she has a good one. And then Haley, of course, I mean, Haley wasn't that far behind Rachel at Ironman Montreal. And uh, Haley's talked about on this podcast about how she had some challenges um, swimming this summer in Bozeman. So she's in Tucson now. So I'm sure swimming a lot. So that could really help. And then Lauren Brandon as well. And like once the group starts getting bigger and Pamela Oliveira, yeah. Once the group starts getting bigger, it's easier to stick on there. But I mean, Lucy's strung out ITU races before, so she might approach it with the same vigor, I guess, at the beginning. Um, I, don't I have think a feeling, she- yeah, those four will at least not want the group to be bigger than four. You know, I think right. they probably have the mutual respect between them each, but I think there's going to be a shared understanding of like, let's not drag the entire women's field through this swim. Right. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, if they all strung out for right, that like is a much different gap to then bridge for that next pack of women who is going to be fighting for those feet for sure. Um, right. Like, yeah. In the ocean, right. It's like a ocean swims are going to really separate the, the swimmers from the non-swimmers. So Yeah. And you get a rogue, like little roller wave coming through, you could lose someone's feet easily. And then you kind of get popped off the back. I mean, there's like Sarah true has a good swim pedigree, Rebecca Clark. I mean, Pamela. So if, if people get spit out the back of that group, I think there'll be a really solid kind of second group, um, you know, Fenella language who you just had on the podcast, um, Lisa Norton might be able to sneak into that second group. Um, Chelsea Sodaro, I'm just kind of like looking down the list. Um, those could be kind of your second group people. And then, you know, the rest will be fighting for that third group kind of thing. But I think just without having the men out in front, like going back to that, like they're going to get out on the road and like, whoever is the leader is like the leader. Like there's no, there's no carrots. There's, you can't see anyone up the road. You can't see any media up the road. Like there's just going to be nothing. And that's an interesting dynamic, I think, but it might be fun. They might find it inspiring, I guess, you know, exciting. Yeah. And it's going to be really, so I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about who we're missing from the field this year as we're watching the race unfold, but let's first talk about the rookies because like the dynamics will be different this year. Right. And, but the rookies are rookies. They're not going to know the dynamics of past racing. Right. So they're just going to know this is what it is. So it might open up more doors for them to like take more chances, right. For like kind of some more unexpected things to happen as they maybe see the opportunities to make a move that perhaps a veteran is like, you know, that's not how it's done in Kona. Right. And like sees the course coming as like differently. Right. So 
who are our first timers there that we have? Well, I was looking at that. So we have Chelsea, um, Sadaro, Sky Munch, Lisa Norton. I mean, experienced athlete, but first timer in Kona. Fenella, who's, you know, she was second at Challenge Roth. So solid. Ruth Astle, who was fifth at the um, uh, Spring World Championships in, in Utah. I mean, she's raced in Kona before, mm-hmm. um, top amateur finisher. Laura Zimmerman is another one who's a really strong runner. Um, so, and then Kat Matthews, and I guess we can do a little aside on that might not be happening given. Yeah. That's a good segue into people we're probably missing in Kona this (laughs) year. Um, unfortunately we woke up to the headline today that Kat Matthews had been hit by a car while training, riding on a training ride in Texas, um, over the weekend, it sounded like, and so definitely want to send, you know, well wishes over to Kat. There's not a lot of details right now, but, um, unfortunately that did happen. And I think she was going in as like a, yeah, like you said, a top five from the spring world championships and definitely was on people's radar to be a podium pick and things like that. So definitely a huge name that we'll be missing. Um, but hopefully Kat can is, is okay and can focus on getting well and there will be other world championships for her I'm sure but um sounds a little scary so um unfortunately that's that's not good but yeah I mean the the who are we missing conversation we probably should just get out of the way because that's never a yeah. fun conversation to have usually these aren't like great reasons that people are skipping the world championships right right yeah it's a little, you know like I said when you texted me that article this morning it's like the law of averages like stuff is is just going to happen and you hope it's not too serious and like people will recover um but you know Lindsay Corbin is out with a stress fracture um who else are we missing now I'm like forgetting um I didn't write Nikki down Bartlett anything. yeah Nikki Bartlett is Rinny is not racing right no, she, I feel like she gave like a muted retirement okay. speech. Like it was kind of like, I'm not doing Kona anymore. It's, you know, okay. that kind of thing. And I'll see how racing goes the rest of the year. But I feel like she's like slowly making her way out. I mean, Radka Kalafelt is out. Um, Nikki. Watkinson. Did we say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anya Watkinson. And, and. Unfortunately, I feel like there probably will be others who maybe start the race and then you find out they were injured or they were sick coming in. I think another thing to worry about is people have to be real careful on that travel over about COVID. Um, That's a real thing. And you don't want to get that this week. So um, people are going to have to be kind of careful as they prepare. But unfortunately, like there'll probably be a couple others who just don't make it to the start line or are not quite themselves. And, you know, I feel like we won't hear about that <laughs> until yeah. later. And one of the reasons I feel like we don't hear about that until later is because people are constantly pushing the envelope because this is a world championships and it's a lot on the line for people with sponsors and kind of media attention and things like that and prize money. Right. So um, you know, it's just, it's like the best prize money that Ironman offers, not the best prize money in the sport anymore, close to it. Right. Um, we see a lot no. more of that in some of the PTO races now, but Kona notoriously has a big prize purse. And Emily, I think you pulled the, um, prize money breakdown. Do you, do you still have that? Yeah. So, I mean, the one change from 
2019 to now is they are going 15 deep, um, which hasn't been the case. Usually they just went 10 deep on the prize money, um, which made it, I mean, I feel like Kona still is more a gamble, especially with, as we've heard, prices this year for Airbnbs are through the roof. Even I mean, flights are just expensive, yeah. way more expensive than they were three years ago, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're really planning maybe to be top five, it's, it's hard or, and you don't have sponsor help to get out there, um, or somewhere to stay. It's going to be, it's, it's kind of a losing proposition, but in a way, maybe it's just losing for that specific event. But if you do well enough, like you gain that, that money and that time back in investment, as far as like gaining more sponsors, especially like, um, I feel like if you finish in the top 10 and you're from Finland, I mean, you're probably going to get pretty good sponsorship over in Finland, like in the United States or North America, that might be harder, but like, I feel like you have to be top three, top five. Um, But if you're from a smaller country, you can kind of capitalize on that. So it might be worth your business investment. Like sometimes you have to spend money to make money, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the, is that the saying? That's what they always tell us in triathlon. (laughs) (laughs) For for how many years do you have to spend money? But (laughs) it's a hard one to miss though. Like, I mean, I mean, those sponsors are still really, they put a lot of emphasis on, well, you know, like FaceTime with sponsors, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. like the brands are over there and they're not at every race you're going to. And it's like one of the only times you get to see a sponsor, you know, marketing person, face-to-face and they're making the decision about if they're redoing your contract next year. Right. So, I mean, that alone is like a huge weight that it carries. Um, yeah, I think it's a tough call because it is, yeah, there's, there's nothing like it in terms of the connections and the the face-to-face time you can get there, but at the same time, having to deal with all that, when you're also going to be racing and things like that, it's, it's a big week. So people have to really kind of think through all that responsibility before they head there. Um, but yeah, for sure. We have a good field of folks who are returning from St. George and their performance there at the Utah Kona Spring World Championship. (laughs) And so are definitely kind of highlighting like people to watch, I would say at this point in Kona. So we have Daniela Reef, um, one in St. George, one Ironman Switzerland since then, won the Collins Cup since um, PTO race since then on a winning streak, I think people tried to like create drama by saying Daniela is like done past her time. And she was like, yeah, no, I'm still here. And I'm like, just getting ready for the races that matter. Right. So I don't know. I feel pretty good <laughs> about Daniela and where she's at. I, I would never really bet against Daniela, to be honest. Um, we also have crowd favorite, Annie Haug coming back. Annie Haug was third in St. George probably not a course that like particularly suited her. I don't think. Um, although I think she's like really fast on any course, so I don't think it matters too much, but we saw her shine at challenge wrote, uh, where she <laughs> won, right. A course that definitely is up her alley. She was seventh though at the Collins cup. So a little bit of a mixed bag, but I mean, again, Annie Haug is Annie Haug. Right. And I kind of feel like, like even looking at the, you know, Dallas race or any race within like six weeks of Kona, I feel like sometimes if you really nail it, 
maybe you're not going to be quite ready for Kona. So it might be a good play to kind of not have bad results going into Kona, but just kind of be racing tired and not be worrying about that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, Annie Haug is just someone like she's always just lurking there in the background and then she just unleashes on the run. And not that she unleashes, but like she just doesn't really slow down that back half. Um, She's so efficient when she runs. And um, I think, but the problem is if Daniela rides the way we've seen her ride in the past, like not 2019, was it the year before that she like Mm-hmm. was out splitting a lot of the guys yeah the back half of the ride um it's really hard to look past her because she's just gonna have such a big lead and then she can run a low three-hour marathon and, and she that's races, gonna... races off the front all the time it doesn't matter if the men are out mm-hmm. front or not I don't think that's going to be a factor for Danielle I think she wants to just play her own cards and yeah, she's just going to do her own day for sure. Yeah. And she knows when to go, right? Like we've mm-hmm. seen her kind of sit in, in the group, you know, and you're like, oh, Daniel, is, is she having an off day? And then she makes the turn to Kauai high and she's put like five minutes into people going or even more going from there to Javi and back. So um, she knows when to push and it's usually the back half of that bike. She just kind of turns on the jets. I mean, she did that in St. George, like it was kind of close. And then the rubber band just broke and she put in a ton of time into Cat Matthews and the group, you know, at the last part of the ride. So, um, she's just so strong and yeah, I'm not looking past her. And I mean, we have a lot of like, I feel like we have the old, I don't want to say the old timers, but like the experienced athletes, Yeah, like, and I mean, I would consider Lucy Charles experienced, mm-hmm. even though she's young, yep. Sarah Crowley, mm-hmm. Heather Jackson, yep. Laura Phillip, like, and then you have them facing, like we talked about, like the rookies, like the new people coming up, like, you know, Chelsea Sodaro went 836 in her debut at Hamburg. And uh, I mean, Sky Munch, like she has done she's some solid. great, she's a solid, yeah. solid player. And then she wants, she's another one that you look at and you're like, she's a competitor. She's going to put herself in the mix and see what happens, mm-hmm. you know? So she's, I think she's definitely going to get herself in the, in the contention on the bike. And it's just a matter of like, you know, elements and can she play the cards, right. That is going to keep her up there through the run, but she definitely has what it takes to be a podium contender in Kona. Yeah, for sure. And just watching like her, her Ironman Chattanooga race last year, that was just impressive. I mean, she crushed, I mean, what was she like 20, 25 minutes ahead of the mm-hmm. next person and let, I mean, course record, like went eight thirty two on that, on that course. I mean, she's the fastest American ever, I believe over the distance now. Yep. So she is someone to really look out for and she's got a good coach, you know, Cam Watt, he's coach Sarah Crowley. So knows how to get these gals ready to race well there. And it includes like taking chances, but being smart at the same time and knowing your pacing, having good nutrition and hydration. So another American yeah. we all should be looking for is Sarah true. Um, she was top five from the last edition of a Kona world championships. And has, you know, I think she's, there's a lot of like, again, like people trying to create this drama with Sarah True and how she manages the heat. And she um, had, you know, I, I think she's well past that, right? I think she had put that chapter of her racing behind her. 
I think she's like ready to race. She's shown in her racing since having uh, her son that she's like still in it, still a competitor and still like, I mean, it's Sarah true. Right. So I think she's also one to really watch who uh, is there to compete, to make it a good (laughs) financial business day. Right. And like, I think she, she wants that. So you can never underestimate that. But I do think between Sarah and Sky, I think would be like some top American picks, I would say, um, for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so Sarah was fourth and, you know, Heather Jackson's been on the podium. She was fifth in 2019. So, um, I mean, there's a good trio of uh, Chelsea Cesaro. I mean, she's a rookie. I mean, there's a good quartet now of, of Americans that could do, could do really well. And yeah, I mean, Sarah true has shown her class as an athlete. I mean, that was three years ago that she had the heat problems and not a great build into Kona. I think, I think we're well beyond that. And if she's managed it before, I mean, you can make a mistake and not manage it well in Frankfurt when she had that meltdown. I don't think it's like she's made it a habit. (laughs) Let's say that. Speaking of like fueling, managing heat, all of that, there were some recent announcements about like you kind of had to dig to really figure out what the <laughs> announcement was. But um, Iron Man recently like posted, oh, there's some changes to the aid stations. Make sure you take a look. And so they did because, you know, and again, who knows the real reason, but they now have two full Iron Mans to put on, which means volunteers for two days, supplies, right? And like just water bottles, cups, all of that thing is now for two full races, right? So um, no matter what the reason is, one of the consequences, it seems, of this has been that they adjusted some of the aid station timing. So on the bike, it still looks like every 15 miles or so you're getting to an aid station. Um, They did, I think, pull two aid stations out overall. Like maybe there were 10 and now there's eight, I think, aid stations on the bike. But that to me still seems okay. Um, I mean, I think people would love to have more, right? When you're out there and it's like a million degrees, it's like, of course you want more, right? But 15 miles is still totally doable with a very hot, you know, hard condition race is is good. Um, but the run aid stations is like a little interesting because you used to have an aid station on that run every mile. Um, I think like every 15 to 1600 meters, there would be an aid station. So now it looks like every in the first half, it's kind of like 1.2 to 1.3 miles. And then in the back half, it's up to 1.6, I think, miles that you're going before hitting another aid station. That to me is significant. And I don't know, it was, I tried to dig in and find anything on the pro fluid aid stations because they've had that in the past where they have tables for the pros and maybe they'll still have those. Um, they might, so you can get like your own nutrition or pick up a handheld. Um, so I don't know if they're going to have that again. I would assume they would, but I feel like the back, well, you definitely need it on a Lee to like cool down, but like on the back half, those miles get further and further apart and like you need it especially in the energy lab coming out of the energy lab. Like how many times have we seen people like dip their heads in trash cans full of ice? It's like, yeah, I mean, your core temperature when it's hot, like on that open highway, it goes up fast. Like you, you don't have much more than a mile. Like, I mean, again, it depends on how fast you're running, but like, I mean, really five or six minutes and your, any ice you had with you is melted and your temperature, your body temperature is going back up. So 
I mean, I do think that's going to really, it's going to favor athletes who tend to race better in heat and humidity and don't feel that as much. Right. But I do think it's going to maybe create some like slower running in that second half of the marathon, you know, I mean, it's, that's a long distance more to go without getting some more ice. Yeah. I mean, uh, people are going to have to maybe rethink like if they're going to have handhelds in their special needs, um, if they're going to have one at the beginning of the run, like I know some people don't like running with them, but it might just be a necessary evil to kind of like get you through it. And, um, you know, it'll be the people who kind of have managed the heat well in the beginning, um, who can run fast and it's always that right. But like, when you're really hot, like you need a sponge and some ice to put down your shirt immediately. So, um, it's, it's going to take some more management, I think, and people racing smart and it always is people who race smart, right? Like, you know, the people who kind of lose their heads and get way in too deep and overheat. I mean, we've seen it many times. So down. The meltdown, the meltdown. on the queen K. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the only saving grace about the queen K is it's up higher a little bit. So you might get a breeze or two. Um, a Lee drive sometimes gets really, it's really usually pretty sunny when they get off the bike and yeah. it's kind of like, there's no breeze down there. It's just still, um, so that's the one saving grace about the queen K, but no matter what, it's going to be hard and you just keep plodding forward. Definitely. Definitely. And so Emily, did you make some podium picks for this year? We can do a little matchup here. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't think about them too much because I wanted to like put it off the cuff and like, so, (laughs) you know, I didn't want to overthink it, Um, but I'm, I'll give my podium. So I'm going to pick, I'm going to go with the safe pick. I'm going to go Daniela for the win. Okay. Um, I think. I'm going to go with Laura Phillip. We Ooh. didn't talk about her, but no, like but 18. Like, yeah, let's talk about this a second. Right. A18 in Hamburg. Like she's kind of been like, she was okay at the, did she do the Collins cup? I can't remember. She um, did. Yeah. She was sixth of the Collins cup and fourth okay. at the PTO Canada race. Right. Which I think she looked good, but not great, Mm -hmm. but I think that might be a good thing. And she's been fourth there. So she knows how to race there. And if she can put together a race like she did in Hamburg, I think she can definitely be up there. I just think she'll be a little bit behind Daniela out of the swim. So I'm going to go Daniela, Laura Phillip. And then for third, I'm going to go Annie Haug. And then my dark horse is very dark. It's Daniela Blymel. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. Just like she's, you know, she got in that, she had that race in Roth where she like her and Lucy Charles like sprinted to the finish. And then I believe she's had another baby since then. And she's just kind of working her way back. Yep. And I just think she'll be good. Like she's had a couple. Okay. Ironmans and she's been top 10 before. So. I think look out for her. She's a solid rider and I think she'll be up there. I would like to pick Lucy. I just think with the injury, having that depth of fitness. Yeah. Um, I think she can be top five. Um, I just thinking have doing an Ironman. I obviously she's a talented athlete, but the depth of fitness might kind of be hard at the end of the race. Yeah. I, um, so, okay. So my podium picks, I picked yeah. Daniela for the win. 
Um, Annie Haug for second, um, going with my old timers, actually another old timer on my rounding out my podium. I'm picking Sarah true for third, um, hitting that podium. And then my dark horse is actually Chelsea Sodaro. Um, Chelsea, you know, I kept kind of going through the list and first of all, it's, <laughs> it's hard to find a dark horse in a field of like Kona caliber athletes. Cause I feel like no one's really a dark horse. Like everyone deserves to be there and anyone has like as good as anyone else to have a shot at that, like podium or top five, but Chelsea, I think is another one where you just, you know, like you don't hear a ton about her racing, like in the mix for something like this. Um, but if you look at what she's been doing lately, like, right. She's been racing pretty solid and kind of doing her own thing. It seems like, I think the, the mom factor is like a real thing. Like it, I don't know what happens to women after you have the baby, but they come back stronger a lot of times. And I think it's like a good, like distraction, right? Like it keeps you kind of just focused on training when training needs to happen. And then like, there's not a lot of other kind of riffraff maybe going on in your head. Like you just get the training done and then it's like, you have a million other things going on. So, um, I feel like, yeah, she's just been quietly doing like very well this season. So I would like to see, to see her in the mix up front. Yeah. It's, I think when your mom like that, like you don't obsess, like you do the training, do you bet the best you can on the day. And then you have other stuff to do and you don't sit there and like on the couch and be like, oh, I wish I would have run my miles faster. What would this mean? And yep. it's like, it's done, you know? And it I becomes think- a lot of that. Like, like it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. And like, good enough is good enough. Right. I think right. it kind of changes that perspective, which is like a key to Ironman training, right? Like no one's nailing every single workout. No one's having perfect builds. Like, and so I, I, I think you nailed it. Like getting that obsession with things having to be perfect out of the picture often like opens up a new world, I think for people in their racing. Yeah. I mean, what do they say? Like good, a lot of good adds up to great. And like, yeah part of, if you're not, you're not training correctly, if you don't have some bad workouts in there, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to have two weeks of bad workouts, but in any monthly, you know, training cycle, you're going to have a couple great ones, mostly good and a few really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. And like, it is what it is. And like, sometimes my best workouts came after my worst. Cause I think like the body goes through a cyclical thing where it's like, adaptive stress is a thing. And, you know, so maybe that was just me telling myself, whatever it was bad workout, but (laughs) you know, I mean, it's like anything in a race, like in an Ironman, you've had it, like you're going to have a bad moment. Yep. You'll have some great moments and you'll have some good moments, but mostly good, some bad, but like you just (laughs) keep going, you know, and like, it'll go, it'll come through. It gets better. Yeah. And we briefly touched on Lindsay Corbin not being there um, this year and just wanted to kind of give her a little special shout out on this. Um, I think she's she's dealing with a stress fracture in her femur, I think, or something. Yeah. So um, and Lindsay had posted that she was kind of, you know, on her retirement tour, so be it of Ironman racing and you know, it's worth certainly pointing out that Lindsay, even without starting this year, still, I believe has the most professional starts for a world championship, um, of any pro ever. I think I want to say it's like 14, 
Um, I could be wrong. People should fact check me on that, but definitely an icon in the sport. I hope she's still going over and like, we'll have a good time out there and experience Kona the fun way. <laughs> um, yeah. because I think, yeah, I think she set a great example as you know, I raced there twice as an amateur and then have gone several times to spectate the pro race and watching Lindsay race. There was always a treat. I think, you know, no matter the day she was dealt out in Kona, she's like a, she's just a good example of kind of giving it your all and, um, going for it in that environment. And, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, sad she won't be racing, but she has certainly without this year was still left a massive, massive mark on our sport. And we thank her for that. And yeah, I hope Lindsay, you're having going to have some Mai Tais and, and enjoy the spectating life this year in Kona. I mean, she was such a good, I mean, pacer out there. Like mm-hmm. she just came on like a freight train, the last half of the bike and yep. into that run, she's run under three hours there. Um, so it is, you know, it's a it's real bummer for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, like without this year, Lindsay, your mark has well been imprinted on the sport. So I just wanted to make sure that was clear too, before <laughs> we kind of wrap up here, Emily. And so Live Feisty is out in Kona all week um, next week. I think starting, so this podcast will be out on Thursday. I think starting Saturday-ish, maybe before, I don't know. Just keep an eye on the Iron Women podcast feed because every day leading up to Kona, they will be dropping in another show with one of the pro ladies, um, talking to them about all the pre-race things. Your favorite, your other favorite Iron Women podcast co-host will be in one of them. So you can hear from Haley pre-raced one of those days. So Make sure you're checking out the Iron Women feed, the Live Feisty feeds, all of that good stuff will be coming out from Live Feisty. I also think our friend of the podcast, Kelly O'Mara, will be there with her new gig, triathlon-ish. Um, I think she's going to be boots on the ground there, getting us some good content. So make sure to give Kelly a follow. You can sign up for her newsletter that she's putting out. Uh, one has come out so far and it was very entertaining and <laughs> will be keeping me up to date with triathlon as I have raced like less and less and probably might still race less and less for a little bit here. So, um, good source of Kona information. I'm sure will be coming from Kelly out there on the ground too. Emily, are you going to Kona? Nope. I am staying home. I have Atlas's my puppy. His birthday is next week. He'll be a year old. Oh my gosh. I know. Year Atlas. Wow. I know. I can't, I know. I can't believe it. And so they do their own competition. They have a called trailing and locating. So they do rat hunting. Don't worry. The rats aren't hurt. They're in little boxes, <laughs> but it's like scent work. They ra- lay down a scent path. Okay. So Atlas and Winston have some rat hunting. I'm hopefully going to get them into a fast cat race because oh, yes. I think they would do really well at that and just running the mountains. That's it. That's all we got plans for the fall. I love it. Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to do this little preview. I'm now all amped up. I, we still have some time. I still have to like keep checking my watch. Like it's September 26th today. So we still have a little bit of time before October 6th, which is the women's race in Kona. (laughs) And, but yeah, hopefully this helps give some people an idea of who to be watching for. And then we will be unpacking it back with Haley the week after Kona. So Emily, thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was great. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. 
Ironwind is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.